Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Good. Praise the Lord. I really like that song. The lost is found, and it means the ones that were far from God, the ones that were lost in sin, the ones that had no idea how significant their sin is, had been rescued from their sin by the cross of Christ. Praise the Lord. That's wonderful. I appreciate that song. I appreciate Trey a lot. I appreciate all the people that put so much work in so that we can look at the Word of God and be ministered to by it. This morning we're going to talk about grace. We're going to talk about what it means to be saved from sin. There was an old Indian chief that was lived, lived in sin for many years, and he had been shared the gospel with by some English missionaries. And as he was living for the Lord, he was asked once to share his testimony about the grace of Christ, about what it meant to be rescued from sin. And he didn't speak very good English, but he bent down on the ground and picked up a little worm. Think of a cute little fuzzy caterpillar. And he set it on a pile of leaves. And he took a match and he lit the pile of leaves on fire. And he sat back and watched the... The, the pile of leaves burst into flame and, and worked their way up to the middle where the cute little fuzzy caterpillar was. And, and uh, at the very last moment, right before the flames were about to lick the caterpillar, he reached in and pulled it out. And as he was asked what it meant to be saved, he, he pointed to the caterpillar and said, Me, that caterpillar. The idea was God reaches in, rescues him from the flames, from the fire, and that is grace. This morning we're going to look at what it means to be saved from sin. And we're going to do that a few different ways. We're going to look at how seriously God takes sin by looking at a few passages of Scripture that talk about some illustrations of how seriously God takes sin. So in your note there are, I think, five illustrations. And that's what we're going to look at. Number one is what we looked at yesterday. It's Joshua the high priest. Joshua the high priest stood before God and filthy rags, and we explained uh, that that is, is, is talking about the state when you're in your sin. God cannot have you near him. God rejects you fully, and God used Joshua to describe to the people of Israel that sin has to be cleansed, has to be forgiven, washed away, and Joshua was the illustration of that. We're not going to spend a lot of time on there. Number two, second illustration of how seriously God takes sin is the story of Achan. Go ahead and open your Bibles up to Joshua chapter 7. How many of you know the story of Achan? Go ahead and open your Bibles up to Joshua chapter 7. A few of you have heard the story of Achan. It's kind of, it's not, it's kind of lost sometimes, but it's a, it's a wonderful description of how seriously God takes sin. I, I shouldn't say a wonderful description. It's a, it's a grave description. It's a, it's a sobering description. In Joshua chapter 7, you've heard of the story of Jericho, right? where Israel walked around Jericho seven times and the walls fell down. They went into Jericho and they took the plunder of Jericho. They took the, the, the treasure, the money, the gold, the silver from Jericho. And God was very specific that all the, the money, all the treasure, was supposed to go to the Lord's house. It was supposed to go to the treasury of the Lord. During the next battle after Jericho... Israel lost miserably. They lost the battle. And Joshua went before God, went before the Ark of the Covenant and prayed, why did we lose this battle? And God said to him that, uh, 
that they lost because there was iniquity. There was sin within Israel and had to be dealt with. There was egregious sin within the people of Israel. One of them sinned against the Lord and it caused them to lose the battle at Ai. And, uh, and they would continue to lose unless that sin was dealt with. And so they took the people tribe by tribe and family by family and man by man to find out who was the one that sinned against Israel. And they came up, this man named Achan sinned against God. Uh, Joshua chapter 7 and verse 19 has, has the story, the, the confession of Achan. So pay attention. And what we're going to see, how the sin was dealt with, teaches us about the holiness of God. Joshua 7 and verse 19. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And, they are, and there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. And this is a lot of money's worth of gold and silver. I mean, this is a huge, huge uh, loss for the treasury of the Lord that, where the money was supposed to go, but it was also a giant amount of money that he took. Verse 22. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, pay attention here, Joshua and all Israel with him, took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones. They burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore the name of the place had been called the valley of Achor to this day. Imagine this scene. In the Old Testament, sometimes the children were punished with the parent who sinned against God. And this was a time that God used to show Israel how seriously God takes sin. Achan stole a lot of money from God. He stole from the treasury of the Lord. He hid it in his tent. Possibly his sons and daughters knew about it. We're not sure about that. But there was an example made out of Achan. And God doesn't, God doesn't deal with people like this today. But he wanted to teach Israel and then teach the rest of the world something about God. That God takes sin very seriously. So serious that Achan was stoned. His sons, his daughters, his, his sheep, his cattle, his donkeys. Everything he had stoned, lit on fire, giant pile of stones put on top of that. As a memorial, as a remembrance to how seriously God takes sin. Gentlemen, how seriously does God take sin? Very seriously. Right? So seriously that the, the, the little innocent sheep of Achan died along with that. In order to teach Israel something about the name of the Lord, 
the name of the Lord is holy. The third illustration of how seriously God takes sin is Noah's flood. Noah's flood. How many people died in Noah's flood? Well, we don't know. Could be millions, could be billions. A lot of people. How many people lived through Noah's flood? Eight. Yes. Noah, his, his sons, their wives, and Noah's wife. How many animals died in Noah's flood? Well, all of them, right? Well, a lot of them. I guess the, the water ones didn't die. Two of every one was spared. But why did the flood of Noah take place to begin with? What was the catalyst that caused that? It was the amount of great wickedness on the earth that God, God couldn't stand. God hated it. Up on the screen is, I believe, uh, a passage, if I did my PowerPoint correctly. Yes, very good. Genesis 6, 5 through 8, describes why God did this. And pay attention here. Up on the screen, you can read along. It says, the Lord, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every thought of man's heart was violence, was wickedness all the time. So much that God said, enough, I'm done. Pushes the reset button on the entire earth, wipes out the entire earth's population, except for eight people. And all the animals, all the cute little, fuzzy little caterpillars and, and, and puppies and kitty cats, all dead because of how much God hates sin. How much does God hate sin? How seriously does God take sin? Very seriously. Do you think that if God could tolerate sin, could allow sin to just go unchecked, could kind of sweep sin under the rug, kind of forget about sin, that God would have flooded the entire world, destroying everybody and everything? No, he wouldn't have. God hates sin. Sin has to be dealt with. In the days of Noah, the way that sin was dealt with was through punishment, was through death. I mean, imagine... Everyone you know, everyone you've ever talked to, everyone you've ever heard about, everyone you've ever seen on TV, heard on the radio, read about in a magazine, seen on the internet. I mean, you can't really grasp how many people are in the world, but just imagine every person that you've ever encountered, ever, in any medium, ever, all dead, gone, wiped out. This is the reality of Noah's day because of how seriously God takes sin. So when it comes to the way you see sin, you might see it as fairly insignificant. You might see it as just a, just a small thing. You know, you might see a dollar on, on someone's bed in the cabin and, and no one's there and you're just going to swipe it because nobody knows, right? No one's going to find out, right? Nobody knows about that sin. Who knows? God knows. And that's what happened with Achan. God found out. You might think that it's a small deal. You might think that it's okay to just, uh, just to have a cavalier attitude about sin. What I'm trying to do is show you a few things to wake you up to how big of a deal sin is. The other day I was talking to a, a camper and I, was, and I was asking him if he, you know, cleaned his room and if he was paying attention, doing a good job. 
and there was another camper that was saying, ha, I didn't do those things. I didn't pay attention. I didn't do a good job. I'm a bad kid. Ha, ha, ha. And he was laughing about it. And he had kind of a cavalier attitude. I said, I said that's not a good attitude to have, and I just kind of left it. I didn't, I didn't hit it home. But if you have kind of a cavalier attitude towards sin, if you're like, hey, not a big deal, man, what, you, what you're doing is you're thinking of it as insignificant. Remember I told you about my children that run across the street? They didn't think anything of it. They were just running one foot in front of the other. But they didn't look both ways across the street, and I had to share with them. That's a big deal. That's a very significant thing. That's what I want you to do. I want you to see your sin and your temptation as significant as God does. And how, how seriously does God take sin? Very seriously. The next illustration I want to share with you, illustration number four, is the reality of hell. The reality of hell. Is hell real? Is hell an actual place? You ever think about that? It, it hurts to think about that. It bothers me to think that hell is an actual real place. Look at your feet. Look at your feet. Put your feet on the floor and look at your feet. Somewhere underneath your feet, think about this, somewhere underneath your feet, way down in the depths of the earth, is hell. That's how I understand hell. Right now, underneath your feet, somewhere, millions of people are suffering eternally. Because of how significantly God takes sin. Because of how seriously God takes sin. Hell is the expression of God's perfect wrath on the backs of sinners. Is God perfect? Everything about God's perfect, right? His love for you is perfect. When he forgives you, his forgiveness is perfect. His justice is perfect. His patience is perfect. When God hates sin, God hates sin with a perfect hatred. And the the reality of what a perfect hatred of sin looks like is hell. Hell is the perfect expression of God's perfect wrath poured out on the backs of sinners. And it lasts for how long? Forever, right? Consider this. Soberly, think about this. God hates sin so much that billions are in hell right now and billions will go there later. How seriously does God take sin so much that he's pouring his wrath out on sin, on sinners, all the time, forever? million years from now, still happening. trillion years from now, still happening. An octillion years from now, a number that I can't even fathom, still happening. God is still expressing his hatred of sin out on the backs of sinners. And here we are with the cavalier attitude. Not a big deal. No one's going to find out if I swipe a dollar or if I... Or if I uh, if I, if I punch my sister, you know, if I disobey my parents, it's not a big deal. It's understandable that you struggle, and I struggle too, but, but we got to be woken up to how big of a deal God takes your sin. It's not just some, some religious thing, and you go to church, and you go to camp, and they, they think one way about sin, and then you go into the world, and they, they think a whole different way about it. All that matters is what God thinks about it, and how, does God, how seriously does God take your sin? Very seriously. Lastly, and most importantly, how seriously does God take sin? We can look at the death of Christ. The death of Christ. The death of Christ is the best example of how seriously God takes sin. Jesus is God's own son, the only begotten of the Father. God sent his son to endure the cross. The suffering the flogging, 
the flogging of Jesus with that cat of nine tails that I'm sure you've heard about that have tortured Christ in his last moments. Christ went through the flogging. Christ took the thorns, the crown of thorns. Christ carried his cross up to Golgotha. Christ accepted the nails. You ever think about that? Christ accepting the nails. Of all the people that the Roman executioners crucified, they were used to taking a nail and pounding it into the hands of criminals. How many criminals do you think fought back? Didn't allow it. Moved their hand. At least tried to get out of the crucifixion. Probably all of them. Except Christ. Christ accepted it. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I imagine that when Christ was crucified, he didn't so much as make a fist when it was time to nail his hands to the cross. Christ endured the nails. Christ endured the, bar- and the embarrassment. The Roman soldiers tried to mock Christ as if he were a king that they didn't believe in. And, and they gave him a crown of thorns. They gave him a reed. Uh, it was like a stick with, for a scepter in his hand. They put a purple robe on him in order to, to mock him. And then they kneeled before him and said, you are the king of the Jews. And they laughed. Ah. They were mocking him. Christ accepted that. Christ chose that avenue. Christ endured being spit on and punched by his creation because that's the only way to save you from the wrath of God. Christ went through it all. The cross of Christ is the lightning rod that short circuits God's wrath so that the light of his love remains for the believers. I want you to think about this. You know what a lightning rod is? If you have a large building or a, maybe a lot of your churches have a steeple, your steeple might have a lightning rod. So if you have a, if you have a house or a building that gets struck by lightning, what's going to happen to it if there's no lightning rod? If it's not properly grounded? Yeah, fire, maybe an explosion, blow the roof off. Woo. Uh, at least all of your electronics would be, would be shorted out and there'd be lots and lots of problems with the electricity of the house. But attaching a, light, a lightning rod onto the house, when the lightning bolt comes and zaps it and all that electricity is shot into the lightning rod, it goes straight to the ground bypassing the house, right? Imagine that you are the house. God's wrath on sin is the lightning bolt. Without Christ, it would shoot, it would, it would destroy you. And that was kind of the point. Achan got destroyed. Those who go to hell get destroyed. They suffer being destroyed. Without Christ, you are destroyed. Christ died in your place so that you didn't have to be destroyed. Christ went through the cross so that you didn't have to be punished. Christ went through hell so you didn't have to. God's wrath is the lightning bolt. The the lightning rod is the cross. When God pours his wrath out, it, it went to Christ instead. Christ took all the punishment so you didn't have to. If God was perfectly just and unloving, he wouldn't have sent his son. So then when when you die and you stand before God, you're you're covered in filthy rags. you You haven't made the cut. And God's wrath on sinners is poured out on you. God takes sin so seriously that he sent his only begotten son so that you don't have to suffer the punishment of God's eternal wrath. However, gentlemen, it is, grace, salvation is not yours 
unless you accept it. It's not yours unless you take it seriously and you believe. If you have a cavalier attitude about sin, it's not a big deal. It's just, it's just a thing that everybody does and, you know, let's celebrate it. Then, then, then you haven't experienced salvation yet. If you have a time this week where you can set aside a few moments and pray to accept Christ, if you've not done that already, I want to beg you to do that. Because if you leave this world without knowing Christ, God pours his wrath against sin out on you. Remember last night, we talked, yesterday morning we talked about how God will reject you. That's what happens if you stand before God without Christ. Christ is the only way to be saved from that perfect, infinite wrath. And accepting Christ is how it's done. So there's going to have to be a time in your life where, where you, you get alone with God or maybe with a counselor, but you, you pray in your heart and ask God to forgive you your sin. You tell him you believe in him and, and invite him into your life and submit to him as Lord. And, and if you don't have that time, that moment where you express faith in Christ, then when you stand before God, you are clothed in filthy rags. God will reject you, and the only reality left for you is hell. And I don't want to see that happen. I love you guys. I don't want to see that happen to anybody. And I hope you don't either. So if you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, tonight and, and I think throughout a couple times throughout the week, we're going to invite you to go to the back of the, the auditorium after an evening service, not, not this morning, but after an evening service, to find your counselor, to talk to your counselor, what must I do to be saved? That's important. If you've already accepted Christ in your life sometime, you've already had that time where you've cried out to God, you've asked for forgiveness, you've accepted Christ, your Lord and Savior, do me a favor. Take sin a little more seriously. Try to see how seriously God takes sin and try to take sin more seriously than you already do. If you have a cavalier attitude once in a while, and by the way, I do too. Sometimes I have a cavalier attitude. I think sins isn't a big deal. No one's going to see my sin. No one's going to know. And sometimes we fall into that trap. And that's what Satan wants to do. He wants you to think that way. If you've already accepted Christ, your Lord and Savior, I really want to encourage you to try to take sin a little more seriously. God hates sin so seriously that he flooded the worlds in the, day, in the days of Noah. He, there's a reality of hell going on all the time, under your feet, somewhere. God takes sin so seriously, he sent his son to die on the cross. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 4, 9, which I believe it might be on the screen, Ephesians 2, 4, 4 through 9. Oh, that's not right. Ephesians 2, 4, somewhere in there. I have my verses wrong. It says this up on the screen. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That phrase there, when we were dead in our trespasses, that means that time in your life where you thought sin was okay, was a good thing, not a big deal, not very significant. When you were dead in your trespasses, sin is, is celebrated in our culture, and maybe you celebrate it once in a while too. When you were dead, when you were lost, that is when it says God made us alive together with Christ, and then says this, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved. The old Indian chief, that caterpillar on top of the pile of leaves, he, what if he allowed it to burn? What if he allowed it to go? What if he allowed it to be punished? It would be gone. It would perish forever. But he plunges his hand in, pulls it out of the burning pile of leaves, and that is grace. 
By grace you have been saved. Are you saved? Have you been saved? Have you had this time in your life where you've accepted Christ? If not, do not leave this campground without having accepted Christ your Lord and Savior. If you've already accepted Christ, take sin seriously. Sin is such a big deal to God, it needs to be a big deal to us. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. We thank you for the fact that Christ did come and Christ did die and Christ did endure the cross, endure the nails, endure the, the crown of thorns, enduring the embarrass, embarrassment by his own creation so that these boys and so that I might stand before you forgiven and cleansed by the work that Christ has done. God, thank you for for giving us a way out of your wrath, of giving us a way out of, uh, of being punished for sin. God, I ask that the boys here, there's two types of boys here, those who've been saved and those who have not been saved. Lord, if there's some here that have not accepted Christ, they, they've, they've never expressed that faith to you before, I pray, God, that today would be the day, that this week would be the week, that their whole lives change, that they the transformation begins in their heart. God, there's kids here that have accepted Christ. I pray that, that you would help them wake up to how big of a deal sin is, how much you hate sin, how seriously you take sin, God. I pray that uh, we would repent of our sin, that we would turn from it. Instead of saying to ourselves, nobody knows, nobody will know, nobody will find out, we, we repent of an attitude and say, God, have your way in our life. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your son. In your son's name, amen.